Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the What's Holding You Back January Writing Talent Edition of the 7am Novelist. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. This month, we're live talking about everything that might hold a writer back from producing the work they want to write and how they might overcome their roadblocks. But today, I have a special bonus pre-recorded episode with Kathy Elsick. She's one of my favorite writers. She's in Boston with us, and she's also a listener. So we're going to really get in deep with the things that she's heard from the show and the things that she thinks would be most helpful for a writer like her. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Good morning, Michelle. Catherine Elsick is a novelist, short story writer, and essayist. Her short fiction and essays have appeared in Creative Nonfiction, Brevity, Carve Magazine, Narrative, and the Boston Globe, among others. She lives outside Boston with her husband and an ever-growing jungle of houseplants and a new puppy named Shiloh. (laughs) What What kind of puppy is Shiloh? She is a Mississippi mutt. (laughs) Butts are the best. Yes, she's amazing. (laughs) So awesome. Okay. So Kathy, um, I've worked with Kathy. And do you you mind if I call you Kathy and not Catherine? Fine, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I should have asked that before the show. Um, I've worked with Kathy and she's just such a beautiful, beautiful writer. And I've always just really loved your work. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really excited to have you on with us because I think you have a lot to say, and I know that you're also still fighting in the trenches of trying to, you know, get your book out there and you've hit some frustrating spots and I I've been there too. And, and a lot our listeners are there too. So I think it's really important to, to think about and talk about. So, um, you've been listening, uh, to the January writing challenge and other, other things we've talked about, but mostly in terms of the January writing challenge. Um, what are the sort of things that you've been hearing us talk about that's been helpful, but also what do you think we haven't hit upon yet that you think right, it would be helpful to writers to think about and, and to hear about? Yeah, I think most of the, most of the, I haven't listened to every single one of them, but I think most of the ones I've listened to have, have really focused on doubt, um, you know, breaking up with your book, all of those, all of those things. And, um, you know, when when is it time to to break up with your book or something like that um and i think the thing that i'm most interested in is i think it's it's related to all of the all of the questions about about doubt like there was the person who was talking about getting sick of their book like when is the right time um and i think the thing that i can speak the most to um is you were talking a little bit a few days ago or maybe yesterday, I don't remember about um, envy and things like that. And I think that the thing that's most interesting to me is um, for everybody out there who has not yet published, um, who maybe where I, you know, or I was five years ago now, four years ago now, um, just sort of feeling very um, insecure about the fact that they haven't published yet. Like, why haven't I published yet? And feeling like, that need to publish. Um, and I think it's a part and parcel to all of what you're talking about, but I think that's a specific to the the listeners that you have that might be in that same position. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and you were talking, uh, before we started recording, you were saying, I thought publishing a book would give me all these things <laughs> in my life. <laughs> you had a big realization. Yeah. Yeah, so I was coming. I was coming down off of, um, I guess it was three years of submission, revise and resubmit submission, and they were big rounds of submissions. And I was getting a lot of feedback um, about the book 
being strong, but being better as a debut for a number, but not, not, not being strong enough for a debut, that it might be a better follow-up just because it was too niche for a debut. Um, and so I was very frustrated and I was, you know, I realized that, you know, it's a good place to be, but I was very frustrated that I just couldn't have that book be published. And I was feeling really, really um, compelled to publish. But then I realized that, um, you know, through conversations with friends, through lots of journaling, I realized that what I was feeling was more of a need to publish than a, I, mean, I do want to publish, but it was, it had crossed over into um, this need. And then, so it was felt like a hunger um, yeah. and that's not a comfortable feeling. And so what I was doing is sort of unpacking what that was. And so the first few times that you do it, I sort of think about it like you're having a conversation with your inner toddler and the toddler just keeps asking why. Why? Why? And the first few times you answer, it's very surface because it's the biggest goal I've had. It's I've wanted to be a writer forever. Um, but if you keep asking why, you get to a moment, which is the moment that I got to, which glaring back at me from a journal um, was that what I believed at its core, and I think this was from the beginning of you know when I wanted to be a writer, was that being published was the gateway to a life in writing and that I thought that you know when I when I really got down to the brass tacks of what I really thought it was going to be there were two things that I thought being published was going to give me one was a, a life that revolved around writing and two was a writing community and when I looked at that you know I know we shouldn't do this with characters but I literally blinked at that page for a good few 30 seconds because what was huge to me was realizing that, sure, publishing might give me more of that, but I had been involved in the Boston community since 2000. I had tons of writing friends, tons of intimate writing friends that I cherish. And my life was already revolved around writing. I was a journalism major, but even when I started to do fiction, I took a job that was nights and weekends. And so I already had this, this beautiful writing life. Um, and that sounds... <laughs> hugely Pollyanna, but it was a huge moment of realization because as soon as I was able to do that, I was able to sort of switch from want, 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 gimme, 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 let me get published. I still want to be published, but I was able to switch from that to sort of being really grateful for the writing life I already had. And sure, publishing will give me maybe a bigger community and maybe, you know, more writing life. Um, but it's not going to take away the writing life that I have now. And it helped me switch from every goal being publication as the end goal, which it is, but it actually helped me to really just focus more on process over product. And that's yeah. what I'd sort of tell myself um, anytime that that sort of boomerangs back or the tide of, you know, the wanting to be at published comes back in. Yeah. So when you sit down, Nick, when, when does this, you're you're needing to kind of to displace the that that kind of forward desire want and putting you back into process does that happen like in what is your what is your writing do you sit down in the morning and write when does that happen do you have to remind yourself do you leave yourself notes do you have like certain goals that you have each day that are smaller that kind of help you fight against that bigger monster question yeah all of that um um and what i find is that um what I find is, you know, I, I've, I'm working on a revision um, of a 
of a different project. Um, and I've got that broken down. So any morning I sit down, I can focus on that. What I, and I, what I find is that, that that's super helpful because I'm, old, I'm never working on, even though I say I'm working on a revision, I'm never working on a revision. I'm working on a chapter. I'm working on a scene. I'm working on a paragraph. I'm working on a specific sentence. And I can yes. just really focus on that. Um, yes. And I think what, when I'm clicking along, that's that's fine. You know, I can I can just zoom into the work work that's happening. It's what happens is, and what happens to everybody is when the doubt creeps in, or you know, the old voice comes back. And I think of it. There are two metaphors I think about it. Um, one is more gentle, and one is more violent. The gentle one is that it's like a tide. That doubt, or that you know, either you know, people are talking about doubt in a whole bunch of different ways. So it can be doubt. Like for me, it's like that feeling like I want to. I'm I'm not a writer until I'm published, which is not true, but it, it just, it's tide that comes in. The second metaphor is like a boomerang. So, you know, in 2019, when I sort of was figuring this out, I caught the boomerang and threw it away and it took a while, but then it comes back and it hits you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can be drowned, drowned by the tide or you can be hit in the head by the boomerang. And, you know, I think, I think focusing on process and doing that enough um, it, it gives you sort of metaphorical boots for the tide or metaphorically allows you to sort of catch the boomerang, remind yourself yeah. that you're focusing on process and not product and then throw it away again. And I think eventually what happens is your throw gets stronger and it's flying for longer before it comes back and you hold it for less time before you throw it away again. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I use I mean, not that anybody needs to sort of go out there and say, hey, I'm using a mantra, but I, I literally use that mantra process, not product product. Um, and that's just a shortcut for me for all of the work that I did in 2019 to sort of get there to just remind myself, hey, you're focusing on this. Because yes. any no from an agent, from a publisher, from even a reader, any no from them doesn't take away the moments that you have with your book. You know, um, when you figure out that chapter beginning that's been getting you fits when you figure out the metaphor, when you realize that you need to cut this and it's just that euphoric feeling, no, no, no can take that away. You know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not the publishing industry that takes that away for me. Anyway, it was me that was just sort of giving that away. And I think that that's the most important part. Um, yeah. And that to me, actually, you know, I've, I've sometimes I've had a couple people in my career and this is really dangerous, especially when you teach, ask me, do you think I should do this? And I just say, oh my God, I can't <laughs> answer that question for you. And I don't think you should let anyone answer that question for you. That's yeah. really, really dangerous because that's just one person's opinion after out of millions. And and I also, I just, I just thought, well, do you think you can stop? Because... Most writers I know, even if they even if they take a break for a few months or even a couple years, those stories are still there and that desire is still there and that urge to get things down is still there. Yeah. And and so to me, that's always kind of the mark of of a writer that's that's ready to work. Um and, and a writer that's ready to, you know, get down to the processes you're talking about and and stick with it. And I do think that that writer will be able to to make it through because they, the the writers that make it are the ones that stay in their chairs. Because I've known plenty of talented writers who they they just can't um, 
life gets in the way, they get distracted, which is fine. I mean, that they, they're doing other wonderful things, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's every now and then they'll talk to me, oh, I wish I could get this done. And, and they've just done other things. Um, yeah. But the ones that I know that have, that have succeeded, you know, eventually, and, and, it, and there was no, I think it was Marilyn Robinson. I think people were complaining about how long it took her to get her second, um, her uh, second novel out. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize I was on a clock. I didn't realize that people were like timing me. Yeah. Um, so it was just, you know. Well, uh, and I, 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 I definitely agree with you. I think you were talking about this was Marjan a few, like last week or something like that. Um, the idea of sort of coming back. Um, and I think it's true. You do have to stay in the chair, but I also think that it's important to take breaks. Um you know, particularly if you've been doing it for most of your life, if, I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of writers um, like the release valve of saying like, well, this is it, I'm quitting. <laughs> and sometimes that's enough to just sort of, you know, be like, no, no, no. Um, but I think, I think taking targeted breaks, whether it's um, specifically walking away from a certain project for a while, or actually switching to something else for a short amount of time. I think the key is when you take a break, know when you're coming back um mm-hmm. i mean I, i've done this a couple of times i remember uh in my first book there was a moment uh in a feedback i was in a workshop and and somebody made a really smart suggestion that i agreed with um and it was the first time that i had agreed with the suggestion and had no idea how to implement it like it was just i was looking into a black hole um mm-hmm. that was a really scary moment um because normally i had more ideas than you know how to fix something. And so I sat in the desk for a long while. And then that was the first year that I actually did um, NaNoWriMo. Like I had an idea and I did that for a month, um, knowing that I'd come back at the end, it was an idea I wanted to explore. And then in December, when I went back to the book, um, I did have a lot of ideas about how to do it. I just needed to take a break, do a um, do a complete, um, complete, different thing you know yeah Yeah. I mean but you don't have to do I mean like the NaNoWriMo that was uh, a very extreme example like right now I'm I have shorter um shorter essays that I'm working on along with the the novels that I can switch even at the end of the year like for the holidays um over the last few years I've started to take off the last couple of weeks of the year um and normally it's because I've got a goal for the year and I'm usually at a good stopping point in the middle. That was the first year that it happened. But then I realized that I was so much more, um, I was coming so much fresher to the page when I came back in January that I've sort of made it an annual thing. Um, And just this week, um, coming back from the holidays, there was a section, I had had five sections in the book that I'm working on now. One section was 50% longer than the others. And for months and months and months, I've been telling myself, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, And then, you know, this week, fresher, looking at it with fresher eyes, I'm like, it's not fine. (laughs) And here's (laughs) what I want to compress. And these four chapters are going to get turned into one. And, um, you know, I'm in the middle of it. It's Frankenstein, but I know I'm excited because I can see that I can see it with fresh eyes. I mean, I know I was lying to myself, but yeah. I sometimes we have to just step away. Um, so I think absolutely, are- people are so unwilling to do that. I I love that. Yes, take the necessary breaks, um, and, and and then also even 
um, you know, after the break or whenever, you know, try to work on something else just to kind of, so you get fresh eyes on that project. Um, and it can be hard, you know, we do empty out, you know, I, um, I just turned in my most recent revision to my agent and I'm, I'm kind of nervous about this revision. Um, mm -hmm. because I kind of, I blew it with the first novel. I know, but you think <laughs> I would be like all happy and then relaxed and all excited, but I am not. <laughs> I am. I am. I, I, I know. I know. But you've got to celebrate the win too. You got to. You got to have both. You have to. You have to be freaked out and also celebrating. I know. I know. I know. But and so, um, and this, you know, I I teach this stuff. I I I or I pretend. I don't know. I think I teach this stuff, and I I have some novels out. Like that's the thing. Like people do think if I have a book, this is what it's going to get me. And honestly, just doesn't you know oh it's going to make me a cooler person oh people are going to look up to me more oh people you know and it doesn't you're still the set you're still you <laughs> you're still like locked in your you-ness um so enjoying the process is, is just a huge thing <clears throat> and so this week I've been dealing with I've been I, there's another book that I want to go back to and I was able to open the file and that's all I've been able to do. That's a, that's a big win too. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that's the only thing you can do in a day. I know. <laughs> I'm like, Michelle, you open the file. <laughs> so that's the, um, uh, but, but I'm thinking about it. And I also think thinking about writing or thinking around writing or coming up with new ideas or, or letting yourself dream a little bit is also writing work. I really yeah. do. Um, and that counts to me, counts for me as being in the chair. Now you hit this, I want you to talk more about this issue that you hit. So you've been working on this great novel that I've seen parts of, and you had all these agents respond really positively, but they wanted it to be your second book because they thought it was too niche. That is the most frustrating <laughs> feedback. Um, yeah. And I get it. I, I get the, the I mean, I don't I, get I, that. Not I mean, book. well, I think, okay, so the, the novel that I was working on, the the quick thing is that it's a novel about three misfit Elvis impersonators who, um, who decide, who have to, who have to realize that life can't be lived in the spotlight, right? Um, and so <laughs> I hope it has another life, um, but it, it got, it got um, full requests and several agents asked me what else did I have in part because they felt like at the time, you know, one agent said the thing that I've most recently read about Elvis is that his star is on the, on the wane. <laughs> and he's like, and that's a tricky, tricky thing to market. And he, there, the, the, the feedback that I got was that for marketing a debut, it was a risky niche thing to do. Um, which is fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but that question, like, what else do you have? Um, I did not say this out loud, but what I was screaming in my head is what I've got is a very slow process. And now I'm starting over again. Um, but I've since sort of realized that putting in a back pocket is okay. You know, I've got this draft that I'm happy with. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll send it out to small presses. Maybe I will we'll do something else with it. But for right now, because I'm so interested in the in the process, I'm patient enough to sort of say, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll figure it out, you know, when the time, when the time is right. right. Um, but it was, I mean, so I, I, I was on the phone with a couple of agents and one of the agents was asking me, what else are you working on? And at the time, the book that I'm working on now was sort of 
in the starry, you know, <laughs> the starry idea phase and I was starting to research it. Um, and I pitched that to her and she said, she didn't put in, in these words, these are my words, but her, she lit up and she said, that's just more organically marketable because it had a historical element, had a female protagonist. It was about female friendships. Um, and even though <laughs> it was very similar in that it had a subculture, which is, I love misfits and subcultures and I will always love misfits and subcultures, the yes, particular yes. subculture, it's, it's, it's about, um, a female sleight of hand magician and magic is everywhere. Like it's a much more, um, much more, much less niche. And so she said, that's more organically marketable. Do that. Um, so I'm working on that. So right now. Oh, it's that's so frustrating. I mean, but this is something for people to think about. They are going to have to deal with the market. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whether something, um, is something that excites people at, at a, a particular time or, um, what was I reading? I think it was on Lit Hub today that said that multiverse uh, stories are done. They're over. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Um, and I also, a few years ago, an agent said to me, uh, coming of age is done. It's over. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> so, so you do go through these waves um, and the agents, you know, the thing is the agents, they, they make their bread and butter off of like Ethan Hawke or I don't know, Biden or, you know, you yeah. know, you know, Britney Spears yeah. types that that that's where they they make their bread and butter is is getting these nonfiction books out, out of famous names. Um, they just don't make that much money off of of writers like us they just don't so so it's a it's a love it, they, they're doing it because they love fiction and they they're doing it because they they love writers and they and they love books and those are probably the kind of books they themselves want to read yeah. um also there's a huge risk for them yeah. um and so and so that's why they can be you know th these really have to be projects that they absolutely adore or really can can see a way to market yeah um, and I mean, so that was, you know, I'm talking about 2019. So then we fast forward to, I mean, now we're in 2024, but last month we were in 2023 and 2023 as a year, not, not, not that I look at every year in terms of Elvis, but as a year in Elvis, 2023 started with Austin Butler getting like the Golden Globe for his portrayal of Elvis in um, Baz Luhrmann's movie. And then it ended with um, Sofia Coppola putting out her spin on Priscilla's story, right? And so I, I got to the end of the year and I was just like, <laughs> but I had it in my back pocket and I'm, I'm deeply in the other book, but I but I sent it out to a few a few people because why not? Because I can then in my query letter, I can say yeah. that this year has been bookended with Elvis and you know there's a little bit of a resurgence. So, and I don't, the, the beautiful thing is Th those those queries are out there and I don't care because I'm involved in something else so yes. I've made a pact with myself that when this book is done um when this current book is done and I'm ready to submit it I'm going to wait until I'm 50 pages into the next thing because I know everybody gives you that advice to be in your next thing but it really helps because I'm not obsessively checking and sort of wanting to submit the old book I sent it out to a little a little cohort um and then i just went back to the book that i was working on and it it's much healthier than the other two submission cycles that i did so yeah yeah i mean you don't have to do it but if you don't want to turn into a manic insane person <laughs> you 
Okay, should. Yeah. I mean, so just there's that, you know, which is helpful. Um, Kathy, I'm going to have to let you go. Everyone, I, I hope you found this helpful. I just love, um, I just, Kathy is just such a smart writer and she's got so much to say. And we're also going to list this with her own Substack uh, 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 channel so that you can see what else she's doing. Um, and you can find everything else that we're up to on our Substack page, 7amnovelist.substack.com. Subscribe there for updates. You can also find our full range of podcast episodes on that page, including episodes from our past two writing challenges, as well as on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what we're doing, please follow, rate, and review our podcast so we can reach other listeners. So Kathy... You've got this gorgeous spread of bookshelves behind you. <laughs> also, you wear this card. You said you wear yes. that when you eat. Yeah, you this is an Etsy. Etsy is amazing. Um, somebody turned a bicycle card. You can kind of see it's the um, it's the Cupid on a bicycle, right? Like, yeah. but it's turned into a necklace. Um, so I wear this when I write. So. I love that. I love that. Great. Okay. So do you have any final words to our listeners about breaking through writing obstacles? Yes. I would leave you with two things. One is um, what I wish that I had learned a lot before 2019, which is process, not over product, focus on the process. And related to that, nobody can take away the wins that you have on a day-to-day -day basis. So the yeah metaphor that thrilled you the thing that made you laugh the chapter that you feel really really is strong it doesn't matter that still is the moment even if you publish and you go back you're still going to have those moments and the wins that you have day to day at the desk they, nobody can take that away from you as long as you set out to hold them Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Everyone, I think that's, that's great advice. Okay. Thank you so much, Kathy, for being with us. Good luck on your writing day to day. Those, uh, in those smaller triumphs done that we need to get the big triumphs line. And I hope everyone is able to get back to the writing desk. Good luck and good writing.